all right guys uh, super happy today and a happy friday to everyone joining in uh, we are back and i am very happy since i have uh, two special guests today one is nate nichols uh, chief uh, scientist at narrative science and obviously Na anna walsh uh, senior director marketing at uh, narrative science so, uh, as my guest on the rabbit show today uh, we'll be discussing a lot around data lexio and how to use data storytelling to increase data adoption and empower your team to make better decision and faster decisions so uh, yeah uh, keep your questions ready around data and data storytelling uh, we'll be uh, talking a lot around it uh, also uh, just a quick background about where uh, since i was talking about the narrative science it is a product uh, lexio uh, uh, that lets you turn your data into interactive stories uh, making analytics easy and accessible for everyone so don't forget to check out we'll be talking a lot around that too okay uh, and a uh, last one but not the least uh, uh, we have a giveaway today so if you guys want to actually win an annual subscription of 365 data science what you guys can do is simply uh, hashtag uh, 365 data science in the chat section and uh, you can win it uh, all right without wasting any more time let's have anna and nate on air Welcome to the Robert Show, Anna, Nate. Very, very happy to have you both. And as I was telling you guys uh, backstage, that it is one of the most important uh, topic in data, which is data storytelling. And uh, today it's uh, everywhere. So can't wait to hear your thoughts about uh, how powerful data storytelling is and how will it actually empower the teams to make better decisions, faster decisions. So looking forward to it. But before that, obviously, I would love to have your introductions for the audience. So uh, Anna, you first. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Anna Walsh. As Rada said, I lead marketing at Narrative Science. I've been with the company for about four years. Uh, I did happen to co-write a book on storytelling with Nate. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, but I'm really excited to talk to all of you about data storytelling and what it can mean for your company today. Fantastic. Uh, uh, we we already have Atlena who's looking forward to your presentation and she loves what you're doing. <laughs> <Thank you so laughs> much. <laughs> you're on it. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Nate Nichols. I'm Chief Scientist at Narrative Science. Um, I've been at the company 11 years. This month is my 11 year anniversary, actually. Uh, wow. So I was here from yeah. the beginning and helped uh, build a lot of the initial technology as part of our engineering team and then moved over to the product side. And now as chief scientist, um, I'm responsible for, for Lexio's intelligence and really the, the long-term strategic value of our technology. So some of it's working with engineers, some of it's working with products, some of it's working with uh, folks like Anna, some of it's having conversations like this, sort of uh, all in the day to day for me. Fantastic, that is, Long time. <laughs> that is amazing. Happy 11th anniversary to you, uh, Nate. Yeah. It is obviously a long time. 11 years is fantastic. Uh, so to start with, obviously, uh, our main topic today is data storytelling. So Nate, can you tell us more about uh, how you define data, how you can define data storytelling for us? Yeah, yeah. So, so data storytelling is the best way um, that we know of for getting what's happening in the data communicated to somebody in a way they can understand and act on. So it's another, it's an alternative to really long reports. It's an alternative to dashboards. It's another way of, of getting data into, into people's heads. And the, 
the definition that's kind of a pretty standard definition that um, Gartner uses, that uh, Brent Dykes, friend of narrative science, uh, uses. He wrote the book on data storytelling. Yeah, he's he's identified three three pillars of, of a, what what makes something a data story, and that's you got to have some visualization, charts and graphs that relay what's happening in the data. Definitely, you got to have a narrative. You got to have just the text and explanation of what's going on, maybe what's causing it. And then there's the context. There's the stuff that's that's not in the data, but is really important for understanding what is in the data, right? So, you know, a team was out of office that week. They had a retreat, and so sales are down, and that's not. That's not reflected in the data at all, but it's obviously really important information for uh, for understanding sort of why the data looks the way it does. And so it, it turns out to be really powerful to, to bring all three of those things together because you, you give people the right context they need. It's not just mm -hmm. a, a factoid or a chart. It's really that whole kind of richer image. And you also kind of you kind of give them the answer, right? You do a lot of that analysis and a lot of the um, pulling out the key insights um, putting together the cause and effect, a lot of that is in the narrative. And so you're you're asking less um, less quantitative work on the part of your audience. It's, it's an easier process for them, which means they can wrap their heads around it and actually do something with what they with what with what they just learned. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that is definitely something which is very useful. And and uh, as you were talking about uh, the three pillars that Brent Dykes obviously has mentioned in the effective data storytelling is fantastic. Yep. Uh, it uh, kind of clears up a lot of things uh, for the teams and it actually gives a good overview about what you're talking. It's not only just the numbers that you'll be talking around, but uh, also making sure that with the visualization, you are uh, getting to a point where it's easy for everyone to understand and i remember one of the topics that said uh, was very close to obviously um, uh, someone who doesn't understand data and if you make them understand that is the true data storytelling so yeah fantastic one Nate. yeah like the the sort of example i have in my head is like weather forecasts like there's, there's we all have access to tons of meteorological data and that that's really exactly. useful for weather people right who are using that data and computer models but most of us just kind of want to open the weather app and we see the numbers, we see the charts, we see the rain percentage, we see tornado risk coming that's not in the, maybe in the original forecast. It's that same kind of model that works really well for weather forecasts and other places, but it's applying that to sort of data more generally. Yeah, and what do you think, Anna, how does data storytelling help companies to you know, increase the data adoption rates? Yeah, sure. So this is something we talk about with our customers all the time. This is why we work with a lot of people. They come to us because their adoption isn't quite where they want. So yeah. what we hear from them, we talk a lot in the market about how dashboards aren't getting us to where we need in terms of adoption. But when we dig deeper, it's actually all the things that happen around a dashboard that causes people so much pain and causes the adoption to be low. So what I mean by that is something we call the, the villainous cycle of waste and the pain it causes around the dashboard for so many people. And what I mean by that is you have an executive or a business user that wants more data to make decisions to move the company forward. That's good. Right. They come and they talk to an analyst or a BI team and they want a dashboard to do that. Also good. The team spends a lot of time making this perfect, beautiful dashboard. They hand it back over to the business. And what they get back is either questions, it didn't hit their requirements, or they get big smiles and then no one looks at it. No one's opened it for 317 days. They get more questions, they have to create more dashboards. And it just creates a lot of waste of time and really money invested in this technology 
that isn't being adopted by so many people across the company. It's painful for business users who aren't getting what they need. It's painful for analysts to create these things that no one's using. And in aggregate across a company, it's very painful for C-level to see so much time wasted and so much technology spend wasted. So what we did with Lexio is take a look at that cycle, the part that's so important that business users just aren't using dashboards that are created and really mm -hmm. dig into why that is to see if we can fix this adoption problem amongst the non-data savvy business users through a new reimagined experience of how people could receive the insights from data that they need. So when we think of data storytelling, our technology and the way it is applied and the way it was built was really to combat a lot of the issues we saw with people using it. So for us, that really boils down to three big differences between data storytelling and dashboards. The first is we knew it needed to be really, really simple. Dashboards mm -hmm. are amazing for a lot of groups of people, but for some, they're just complicated. They're, um, exactly. yeah, they can be scary. I mean, I, I'm not a, a data person. I'm definitely on the business side and, and dashboards can be quite scary for me. So we knew when we were building our data storytelling product, Lexio, we wanted it to be super simple. And mm -hmm. uh, this manifests itself in two ways. One, uh, for us, we are a language company. We're a storytelling company. We have roots in natural language generation. So we do use language as our primary method of showing insights, although we do use visualizations and allow people to add context as well, which we could talk about a little more later. But we also built the experience with business to consumer apps in mind. So when you think about things like the weather app or our social feeds, things like that, we really wanted the experience for data for the business users to look like that, be available on mobile, be available where people work. And then we took a look at some of the other issues that people were having. One uh, being that they had to log into a dashboard and dig for insights themselves. So we built a lot into our data storytelling product to start bringing that to people. So we either surface the insight in the story itself so you don't have to go find it, or we'll actually push the data storytelling, the data stories to people so they don't need to go look for it at all. So it's not on them to go and adopt the story. They, they are able to get that where they already work, whether that's their email in the morning, whether that's in a system that they use, we really want these data stories to be everywhere and make it almost no work for people on the business side to have to go find it. Yeah, and exactly. Then, yeah, and then, and then last for us, a lot of the issues we've heard from our clients with dashboards is that they are one to many. So it's either for a dashboard for a team or for a company, but really if we're looking at the decisions people need to make, drive a company forward, that's gonna be different for anyone that sits in a company. So we set out to build a system that could provide personalized insights for every single person automatically so that, that when they log in, they get exactly what they need right away without them having to dig for it based on what they need and the decisions they need to make. So with that, uh, that's how we built it. And that's how we've started to see a lot more people start to use data through data storytelling in this new experience, uh, particularly people that maybe weren't as data savvy before. Okay, that's that's uh, I think a fantastic review about uh, the complete uh, data storytelling and uh, the dashboard as well. Uh, but uh, I, before I get to Nate with the next question, I have some uh, important question that I see in the audience, so I would love to take it, uh, which is how can someone improve their data storytelling skills? Any of you? Uh, Nate, do you want to 
Yeah, sure. So, so I think one um, one thing that's really important is to sort of is to, to get the right kind of role models and find examples of data stories that you really like to tell. And a lot of these are more, you know, the New York Times has a bunch of these. A lot of these are more sort of like public facing. And I think a lot of the a lot of times, especially when you're like getting into um, becoming an analyst, you work on, you know, what kind of like deep insights can I pull out of this big this huge CSV or this big database, what can I do with it? And the challenge is trying to kind of find the right, the right nuggets and finding this right little, you know, the, the needle in the haystack. And I think sometimes that's really great. And there are occasionally, uh, you know, needles in the haystack, but lots of times it's, it's really, the, the issue is more about the communication side of it. It's not finding this one insight that's going to turn the company around. It's being able to communicate what is in there day in and day out in a way that people understand. And so I think, Part of we kind of get some analysts, in the, especially more junior analysts, we kind of get them off on the wrong foot, thinking that it's going to be this game of like super deep analysis all the time, and and they the communication side of it is like oh, and then you have to like throw it in a dashboard or you'll you'll take a screenshot of this number and stick it in a PowerPoint deck, and that just means that there's so much really um, powerful analysis and, and and a lot of hard work that's getting wasted, right? It only matters if it if it gets into somebody's head and affects them, and so I think part of it is, is really setting yourself up and, and finding finding those stories that that resonate with people and move the public and figuring out why they work and really focusing on that that communication side more than the um, more than just the deep analysis side yeah i think that definitely answers uh, manisha's question in terms of uh, obviously these are important skills and these are the skills which one would need uh, to get into data storytelling at least make the uh, you know audience uh, very much uh, on the same page what you're talking about so yeah um, also, yes, Nate, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, what do you consider to be a strong uh, data culture in an organization? How does, you know, the ideal process look like to you? Yeah, so I think that's, you know, obviously having a, a data-driven culture is a thing that everybody uh, wants now for, for good reason, I think. And I exactly. I think some, one, one way we can kind of get mixed up is by thinking of it as like some other, it's some new type of culture. And it's, I think it's really not just like you know you want a you want a culture of accountability and a culture of transparency and a culture of overserving the customers and a culture of delivering on time, like those are all things that we've been working on for a while and you know everybody's at different different places on their journey. Um, but a, a culture of data or data driven culture is really it's it's that same kind of thing but for data, right? So all the all the culture building and culture instilling. Um, best practices we know still still apply, I think. And so best things like it has to be top down, right? Everybody in the company has to do this. You can't have the exec saying, you guys need to be making data-driven decisions. I, my intuition is so good. I don't need to do that, but you guys should be doing that. And I expect a lot of charts and graphs and PowerPoints. Like that's not gonna fly if people know the, if, if their managers aren't bought in, they're not gonna be either. You need to have it be a, um, a day, day in, day out, week in, week out kind of thing. You can't. You can't have sort of a big bang of, um, you know, a big bang of accountability where you, you sort of check everyone at the end of the quarter and say you have a culture of accountability. It needs to be, it needs to be a continuous part of the process, and it's um, it's the same with data. And when and when you sort of you start getting those rhythms together, and it's, you start feeling, you know, several. And we felt this in narrative science over the last few years. We've been dog fooding Lexio. Is, is that you just, it comes up more and more, right? And more and more conversations, somebody mentioned something exactly. they, they saw on the data, some insight they pulled out, something they saw go by in Slack that somebody was sharing from Lexio. And as those like, those sort of popcorn starts bubbling, that's really, um, 
that's really when you start to realize you're sort of in that data in that data culture, right? There isn't a there's no magic moment. It just sort of it grows and grows, and you sort of look around and, and you're there. And I think part of it for us has been what's really helped with us is you know we've wanted to be a data culture forever. You know we've been around for 11 years, like I said, and it's we wanted this the whole time. And for us, a lot of the we thought maybe it was a it was like a hiring challenge, or we weren't. You know, we need to bring it up at every check-in. We need to make sure you know some data is in that check-in somehow, and that's that's part of it. But for us, a lot of it was the technology side too. Frankly, it's really if your plan is to just get everybody in your company to look at dashboards every every day or every week, it's it's really hard to get that done. It because, like Anna said, it's it's hard to get value out of that, and so it's hard to kind of you end up making people do it, and people are pretty good at, at not doing things that they don't want to do even if you try to make them. <laughs> And so for us, part of the solution has also been just giving people the, the right technical tools and support they need to, to allow them to be more data driven without expecting them to spend, you know, two hours a day doing it. Wow. I think that definitely get, makes you a data driven culture company, and I'm sure you are, you guys are running towards it. So it's fantastic. Also, there was an interesting comment uh, I would like to pull from David here. As it happens, these two guests have actually quoted in a book called Let Your People Be People. And I was luckily uh, uh, sent a book by Nate. Thank you very much for this book. And yes, definitely, I would love to know the story behind the book. And uh, why is it so important for uh, obviously your company? but not only your company but uh, people who might want to uh, have a look at it it's uh, uh, not that bulky but uh, i know the golden nuggets i've read it i have also created a video out of it uh, and uh, it was like my family thought actually what's happening to me <laughs> uh, that i've just read a book in a day but it it really does have those golden nuggets but i would love to hear from you guys about uh, why is it important for people to read this book and what's uh, what's behind this so I'll say the very origin of it, but then it was it was Anna's idea to put it together. So I'll toss to her. Wow. Uh, but the the very very early days of this was I I took a great uh, a great class in New York called uh, Communicating with Power and Presence. It was from this group called the Actors Institute. Uh, a guy named Sam Carter was my uh, teacher. He's fantastic. It was like a two day workshop all about yeah. um, communicating with power and presence, how to do um, sort of storytelling and speaking and, and have that. Um, be in a way that's successful and engaging and, um, you know, with your audience. And so it was a two-day workshop. It was a great experience. I learned a ton. It was super intense, but super fun. And then I really wanted, a lot of it for me was like, man, I wish somebody had told me this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, earlier in my career. It would have been great to have this information earlier. Exactly. And so, and so we started doing a version of it at Narrative Science internally, just running um, different 8 to 10 employees through that we changed the format around a lot of the content. But it was it was inspired by that original workshop, um, and we called this one the storytelling workshop. And we thought of it sort of um, you know practicing speaking and getting feedback from your peers and working on different aspects of that, iterating on that. And I think that was Anna was the was one of the early uh, early graduates. And then and then you, you it was your idea to do the actual book, right? Yeah, it was. So <laughs> this one is I don't know two and a half years ago maybe. But it was a very interesting time in the company. We were starting this data storytelling workshop. We were also in the early days of building out what is now Alexio. And we were putting so much time and effort into a system that could write a story like a human would want to understand. And we were getting a lot of questions like we're getting on this video, which is basically like, how do I become a better storyteller if I have data skills already? 
And exactly. so we were, we were thinking about this in terms of how we build a system this way. We we're teaching our employees on the side. We figured out that we had a lot of knowledge to share on how stories should be spoken, how they should be written, and really how people want to consume them. And we thought maybe we could share some of what we've learned over the past 10 years with people that really want this skill or want to understand this technology better. So um, I think I cornered Nate in our kitchen when we all used to go into the office and and basically asked him if if he thought we could distill it into a book. And, you know, we gave ourselves, I think, three months, which is not a lot of time to write a book. We divided exactly. we conquered some of it, wrote some of it together. And the entire thing is published by people at Narrative Science. We really wanted to live out later people be people. So all our contributors, all our designers, everyone came from the company itself, which is really important to us. Our executives gave us space to do this, which was really amazing. So um, we wrote it. It is definitely focused on storytelling with, from people. There's a little bit yeah. on from technology as well, but the response has really been amazing because so many people, it's just a skill set that's not focused on as much in, in people's exactly. uh, education, particularly if they come from a more technical degree or a more technical background. So uh, for us, it's just become so much part of our DNA that we need all of our people to be good data storytellers, good storytellers in general. We want them to find their own voice. We want our customers to find their own voice. We want to share what we know about the psychology of people because we believe so much in the marrying of data and people that uh, we wanted to put it into a book. And then there's been a lot of content since then that kind of has the same theme. So. No, hopefully we keep going. As long as I'm in air science, mm -hmm. we'll keep talking about storytelling for sure. <laughs> and yes, definitely. It is, uh, you know, you guys have actually explained so well in the book about data storytelling, about how to create that uh, space for someone who wants to tell a story. So those, I think these chapters are very important, but uh, uh, thinking of that, I was wondering when are you guys planning to write another book? Because more than that, it's uh, something you guys are storytellers yourself. So uh, when is it, Nate, uh, when is it, Anna? When do you plan to write the next work? Ugh. Pressure's on. <laughs> All yeah. right, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you a secret. We have an outline for the next book. We're just trying wow. to figure out timing and what, what we're both responsible for at the company, but it's definitely in the plans, but no date yet. Wow, fantastic. All the best for that. And um, I'll just pick a question. I'll just go a little back towards a question, which is more on the, uh organization uh to adapt uh, data storytelling so vetlana asks here uh, what steps do you recommend organization to start for data story adoption yeah sure i, I could probably take that one and yeah. Nate, feel free to jump in if you'd like um but this is a very common question we get which is basically exactly. this storytelling sounds awesome how do i start i want everyone to use it so um, this is actually a really good tie-in to some of what Nate had talked about, which is you need to understand data, but you, it's also really important to understand the people you're trying to serve. So if you take a step back and think about the company you work at and really the goals of the company, where are they trying to grow? go, how are they trying to grow, and how do they make money? So when you think about those things, and then the person you're speaking with or the group you're speaking with, how do they contribute to that goal for the company? How do they get visibility into what they need to make decisions to drive the company forward? And then that is really going to be the best place to start with data storytelling, where there's high decisions being made that um, have a big impact on the company's growth. 
paired with where people maybe don't get the information they need as quickly or as easily as uh, they might need to do it. Um, but to give some examples of this that can maybe drive it home, where we see data stories uh, implemented first are places yeah. like, like field sales, very uh, high stakes decision-making for the revenue of the company. They're on planes all the time. They're not gonna wanna be digging through dashboards, things like that. Uh, that's a place we see it implemented first. In marketing-led companies, we see a lot of marketing teams start with data stories. Uh, we see a lot of technology companies lead with product management teams looking at usage of the data. Yeah. We see supply chain operations, things like that. And in terms of getting people to adopt it, we usually start with what we call a group of data change makers, people that really believe in uh, this method and they help us create the stories and then they actually interact with people on the stories themselves to get it to spread organically across the company. So you pair uh, the need for the company with the visionaries in your company that can really help drive it home. And that's where we see it start to flourish the fastest with our customers. I think definitely that does uh, make a lot of sense in kind of answers. But Lana's question, uh, there was actually something that Erica mentioned when Nate, you were explaining about keeping the audience in mind. It's important to always keep the audience in mind. What's the message that needs to be relayed? So yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah it's always about the audience. I mean, you're when you when you're when you're storytelling, you're there to serve the audience, and so you got to start with what what resonates with them. What uh, what will actually impact them and stick in their head and work backwards from there. Otherwise, you're just just telling stories to nobody, basically. Yeah, exactly. And also, um, Nate, uh, Anna, I had a, uh, one question that I was wondering in terms of the topic area. Uh, have you guys ever, uh, you know, maybe witnessed or have you felt where the audience is kind of uh, not related to the data storytelling that you are actually going out and putting in the audience and it's a complete different audience and they have a different reaction i think is that a common thing that can happen if if your audience is uh, varied from the topic that you're talking about um well i'll answer and let me see if it answers your question if it doesn't let me know so where i've seen this happen the most with our customers which i think is really interesting is uh so let's say data stories start within a function for example like i said i'm in marketing i'll use marketing as an example start with marketing i get the information i need really quickly for me a lot of it is about visibility and quick the quickness of what i'm getting but as exactly. i as i start to share it with my peers whether they sit in sales or in product or something the reaction is very different because they're like oh my gosh i didn't i didn't know any of this this is the exactly uh, amazing context for where people are coming in, what they're saying, how much we spend in marketing. A lot of people don't know that. And it, like, I think uh, if, if you're looking at the data you care about, a lot of it is about speed and finding like uh, drivers quickly. But as you start to move it faster, the visibility just helps people get much better context uh, uh, just for the business in general, and it makes them better at what they do. And that that is different. I guess. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's like the biggest no, I think, reaction. Yeah, constantly. definitely. It is something which which comes out like a surprise to the audience. And definitely that yeah. 
answers my question because sometimes it's just that the audience isn't expecting something out of her story and uh, the data and it's like a surprise that okay this is a new learning for us and yeah it does uh, answer my question very well so also i i want to take another question from the audience from eddie and car what are the best technology tools for data storytelling anyone Nate, anna well, there's a great one called Lexio. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna show in a few minutes here. It really specializes in automated data storytelling. Um, so you know the AI sort of does it, um, or does a lot of it, and there we have people to comment and do other actions on top of it. Um, I know yeah. there are some other tools. I was actually um, uh, just talking with a, a guy from Juicebox Analytics yesterday. I know they they specialize in um, you upload a CSV or an Excel sheet, and they help you build really nice uh, nice looking interactive data stories quickly in there. As an alternative to using, um, you know, Tableau or Power BI or one of those those bigger players, they're really specialized um, in, in hand building, manually building, um, but the interactive data stories. I don't know, Anna, are you are you familiar with other sort of other tools in that space? Um, I mean, a little bit. I would say, in terms of like other companies we see, like Workday has a uh, data storytelling. Uh, technology called stories.bi. So we, we have seen a little bit of it, but if you're looking to be a better data storyteller, I, there's a lot of really good resources out there that I would recommend looking at in addition to tools. We mentioned Brent Dykes, he's amazing. We also um, have talked a lot with Zach Pesicini. He has Data Storytelling Academy, where um, he writes a lot about how to be better at this skill set. So yeah. if that is something you're looking to be better at, I would look at both people that teach this as a skill and then the, the tools as well, including Fantastic. I think that definitely answers it, Yanka's answers. But yeah, uh, Lexio is the best, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay, a quick question from YouTube. Uh, and this one's interesting. I'm planning to learn data storytelling. Would you recommend your book for beginners so this book i'm sure he's talking about this and would uh, how would you it help me in my financial career fantastic question uh, yes yeah we definitely recommend it for beginners like this is really uh, it's not there's like, like anna said this is not it's not a technical book there's a little bit in there about automating it and ai and uh, that are kind of spin on it but it's really it's about um how to communicate uh your, as yourself and, and like the says how to how to communicate while really being yourself and having that come across in a way that um, people can resonate and lock on with. And I think for a financial career, like I, I, I love it when we have junior engineers that or junior sort of employees that are, comf are more comfortable speaking they have more opinions that they're able to, they say in their backup, they're not trying to sort of hide behind, well, it's just the data I'm just here to present. It's like, no, they're, they're leaning in and, and presenting their thoughts and having coming in yeah. with the hypotheses. And I think that's a great, um, which is also, you know, in line with a lot of things, but with the book. And I think that's a great, um, that's a great way to sort of think about how this will help your career is there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of visibility around it. And it's, it feels like you're kind of playing up a level. I think the more storytelling you do, the more, the more you kind of look, um, the more engaged you are, the more engaged you have to be with the business, the more you're showing awareness of the audience, which is, you know, a proxy for showing awareness for your customers and how the business makes money. And all yeah. that kind of good stuff and having that the sort of the attitude that comes along with that i think is is really helpful across basically any career yeah yeah i, I, think. I think the it is so interesting before i came to narrative science i think misconception by me and i've seen across anyone is the the mistake that people make is focusing on their job skills so finance 
For me, it was marketing. And it's this idea that if I get better at that skill, like I'll keep moving up in my career or getting to where I want to go. And now that I've worked here and, you know, made strides in my own career, it is essential no matter who you are to be able to present information in ways that people can consume. Whether you're telling a story about what you've done or being able to take data that you absolutely need to know in any role and make it obvious to people what needs to be done, justify what you have done. If you don't have these skills, it's going to be hard for you to keep moving up in your career, whether you're in finance or engineering or anything. And I just see help so many people for where they want to go. Um, yeah. I think it should be taught more. I wish people, I wish I knew that before in science. <laughs> Yes, I think it's not just only limited to uh, a specific occupation or a specific domain. It is actually widespread. It may be marketing, finance. In the HR analytics too, I've seen, you know, the HRs are learning about uh, the human resource. People are actually learning about data storytelling because they want to tell uh, a, a story, a big story to their company about how uh, they are placing the employees or how the employee uh, you know the the rate of employees are going up what's the work process and all of those things so i think it completely makes sense anna yeah well, whenever i talk to like uh college grads or sort of like people just starting their careers like i talk about how like in my mind at least uh, there's like there's a limit to how good you can be on the hard skills side right like there's yeah. a you're going to max out as a programmer or as a financial person or as a as a marketer like there is there's hard skills and but there's a ceiling there and there's going to be a lot of people like you sort of at that ceiling or around that ceiling. And it's really on that soft skill side that you can just, you can grow forever. You can always get better at telling stories. You can always get better at communicating. You can always get better at speaking with different audiences. And so the more you gotta, you gotta have the tech side, you gotta be able to do the analysis or crunch the numbers or whatever. But once you sort of hit that bar, in my opinion, the more you invest on the soft skill side and the storytelling and um, everything else side, the, the better it is for you in your career. Yeah, exactly. It totally uh, makes sense. So, um, also going back to Lexio, obviously, I want to know more about Lexio, and uh, now I'm sure uh, the audience is more curious to know more about it. So, uh, Anna, what are some of the use cases for Lexio? Yeah, sure. So, I, I think we talked about a few of them before. So, just to yeah. reiterate, basically, um, we see Lexio used in all different parts of organizations, and we don't. We see a very diverse. Uh, company sizes and industries come in and use Lexio and really see it change their company. But um, our most common use cases do tend to be within those places where uh, people need to make decisions really quickly to drive a business forward. And maybe there's a gap between how they get that information today. And in terms of how, how the business users use it every day, basically we see people opening our app every morning, kind of like a, a weather app or Apple News or Twitter to orient themselves for the day. But we also see people using data stories to prep for their meetings, to do a look back analysis as they're planning for the next week or the next month or the next quarter. We see it to for people to gain visibility into outside of just their purview of what they own. So if I'm in marketing, I'll use Lexio to look at our product usage data, to look at our sales pipeline, to look at our finance data, our talent, everything is in there. So it really creates a culture of transparency and accountability. And that's what we see with all of our customers as well. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I think it uh, definitely makes sense when you have an app where they, you can actually go out and uh, check out something that you might want to present and want to learn about and want to you know, actually tell a story about. So it does make a lot of sense. Um, okay, before I get on uh, to uh, asking you for some examples uh, around it, Anna, I have a question that I would love to take uh, from the audience. And these are, um, uh, these could be any. So who are your three favorite uh, storytellers? Uh, I can definitely say Brent Dykes is common between us three. Uh, he is a fantastic storyteller, no doubt about it. So uh, any of you, uh, just to, uh, let's have one one name from each of you, Anna and Nate. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go Carl Sagan. He's my, uh, I used to have back when uh, AOL Instant Messenger was a thing, my, my AOL Instant Messenger name was Carl Sagan's my boy back in uh, college. But uh, oh, wow. he, he's, he's, I really, really like that dude. And I think part of what I like about him is he, he had the, he absolutely had the chops on the technical side. Like he was a, you know, he was like a legit scientist and did a lot of, um, you know, planetary, planetary astronomy. He was mm -hmm. just, he had all the chops there, but he is, it seems like his passion, and I think where he spent a lot of his time was in the, the popularization of that, and not just the sort of doom and gloom. He had some doom and gloom pieces as well, but more the the excitement and the and the beauty of it. And you know, he was the one that got the the golden phonograph stuck on the Voyager satellite going outside of the uh, our solar system just forever with these sounds on it. It's like it's just this really inspiring, uh, beautiful thing for me. And I think that that he was able to do that with as such a technical guy but also cared so much about the, the communication side of it. I know we're repeating ourselves over and over here, but for me, that's really, um, that's an inspiring and a guy that I, that I look to, um, that be able to exercise both sides of his, of his brain that it's at such a high level, I think is just, uh, it's just amazing. Fantastic. Um, I'll give you two. One, so as you all know, I am a marketer. So one of my favorite storytellers is uh, Andy Raskin and okay. his, his focus on he calls it strategic narrative, but basically his view is that the story of a company is the strategy of a company, which I agree with. And like the, the power, if you get your narrative and your story right, uh, it can yes. have on your success for a company, no matter what your size has been very inspiring and the stories yeah. that he has been able to create. My other one, which is more on the data storytelling side, some of uh, the viewers might know her. I'm gonna say Kimberly Harrington. So oh, the yes. reason, reason for that, I admire so much. She calls herself a data journalist, has always believed in this side of storytelling. And also she's from Buffalo. I yes. uh, have some strong family ties there. I lived there for a long time and I love that city. So uh, if the, the viewers haven't checked her out, definitely do so. Uh, she's oh, yes. very talented. No, I completely validate that Kimberly is top class when she starts talking about uh, when she starts talking about data and a great storyteller. So yeah, fantastic. All right, Anna, uh, why not you show us some examples in terms of the use cases uh, for Lexio? If you can share your screen and uh, show us something around. Sure. Okay, I've never shared on this. Okay, one. you just yeah, you'll just find the option below. Share. Okay. I'm doing it right now. Okay, awesome. can you see? Yeah, here we go. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I'll get started. So um, earlier we talked a little bit about this cycle that we see with dashboards and some of the people that are in that cycle. So 
as I show you, Lexi, I'm actually going to show you from the perspective of an executive or a business user and how they would use Lexio. So you can picture this across all different business users, all different stakeholders at your company. However, if there's any questions from the audience on how it's set up um, from the data side, we can certainly answer that too. So right now we're looking at Lexio's homepage. When you log into Lexio, this is what your users are going to see. Uh, for the purposes of making this easy for uh, this demonstration, I'm going to show you on a desktop, although a lot of our users do this exact same flow on mobile. I'm a mobile user myself. I would show you on mobile, but I think it's going to be a little hard on the screen. It's going to be a little small. Uh, so keep in mind that this can be done both on a desktop and on a mobile phone. So anyways, as someone logs in, this is that uh, weather landing page app or the your Apple News for your business. So if I'm a CEO, I'm logging into Lexio on my way to work on the train. This is going to tell me what I need to know for the day. So at the top here, there's three different metrics we're looking at. These are going to be my three top metrics that I want to know every single day to be able to make decisions really quickly. So in this case, it's sales. Are we making money? Pipeline. So for those of you who don't know what pipeline is, this is for companies where uh, salespeople talk to prospective customers for a while before they make a purchase. This is usually an indication that sales will come. So what are we going to sell? And then you can see here, what did we spend? For as a CEO, these are the big three things I'm looking at. And you can see here that it'll automatically tell me how we're doing, how that compares to the same time last month or last quarter, depending on how my goals are structured. So it gives me a little bit of context of how I should feel about the number and then what drove any significant changes and how close we are to the goal. So mm -hmm. how are we doing? What drove it and how should I feel about it? All right here for me at my fingertips. And then I'm going to scroll down and I get notable insights. So basically this is going to show me any red flags or any bright spots in the data that I should be looking at and digging into further. So you can see here, it'll tell me things like certain parts of the business are doing better or worse than usual. And I can scroll through here and really know what I should be focusing on um, as I think about how to spend my day. And then as I scroll down farther, it'll also tell me what happened since I last was looking at the data. So you can see here what happened since yesterday, what happened last week. Wow. Some of the other things that people might want to know, that'll be here as well. And this is all built from what we've heard from our clients for years. Just tell me how I'm doing, what I should be looking at, and what exactly. happened. And that's really what this is designed to do. And this is going to look different for every single user that logs in. But mm -hmm. let's say I'm looking at one of these things and I want to dig deeper. Let's say I want to look at pipeline. So I can click into some of our longer data stories that give us even more information about this metric or this goal that I'm trying to hit so I can figure out what to do with me and my team. So if I'm looking at pipe, I can see I'm looking at it for this month. It'll tell me both how I'm doing compared to last month and the same time last year. And then wow. it'll start to give me more information about that metric. So how many opportunities do we have in the pipeline? How big are they? How close are we to our goal? We're above our goal already, even though it's mid-month, which is awesome. And yeah. you can also see what, what drove it. And then 
take a quick visual look at how it compares to last month. So going back to the Brent Dykes uh, definition of data storytelling, for us, we're very story forward, very language forward. We also do use uh, visualizations to help people uh, learn and retain really quickly and then provide context for people to understand what's going on. A um, few other things I can do if I'm CEO looking through this. So I'm reading about Pipe, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I can change the time frame if I would like. If I want to look at new Pipe last month, I can change the time frames the story will rewrite for me. And I can cut it by any filter that I want. So this is really intended to cut down on that back and forth between business user and analyst. If I want to know new pipe by anything that I want, by company, by country, by salesperson, any of that is available here and the story will rewrite based on any of the filters that I choose. And then something that's really interesting and that um, for me, I really think is really important as a user is uh, what should I look at next? So pipeline's going well, but as a user, as a CEO, as someone on the business side, there's always that hit in your stomach that there's something that you don't know, something you should be looking at that maybe you don't even know to ask about. Mm -hmm. And Lexio has actually built our stories out to combat that problem. So it'll start to surface things that you should read next, depending on who you are, and depending on what the system knows about your data, so that you can rest easy knowing that you're not missing anything and you can keep going and learning more if you'd like. So scrolling down here, there's all different suggestions of what other data stories to look at. A really common one to look at with new pipe is pipe by salesperson. So the people actually opening the opportunities. So I'm gonna click explore there and you can see here, it actually opened a new tab for me with a new data story that gives me the information I wanna know about different sales reps that are contributing to my pipeline. So I can see here, get a quick story about what's going on, good visualization, and I can read about how our AEs are contributing to that pipeline. It will eventually turn, hopefully, into revenue for the company. And Fantastic. yeah, same deal here. It'll keep uh, surfacing these nuggets for you. It'll save your trail so you can go back if you'd like. And I see here with just a quick glance, if I look at open pipeline, not just new this month, it's the same uh -huh. performers that are performing well. And then we have some laggards as well. So let's say this guy, Connor, he's the top. If I click his name here, it'll actually change what uh, it wow. services to you because it knows you're interested in Connor. So I'm interested in Connor, our salesperson. And I see here that now I'm getting a bunch of stories about Connor. So as I scroll down, Maybe I decide I want to compare Connor and his pipeline mm -hmm. to someone else on the sales team. So I can click our compare story and it'll start to compare Connor to someone else. And I see here it's comparing Connor, our top person, to the next person, but I actually want to compare him to the worst person on the team. So I can compare him to the lowest. And I mm -hmm. see here, now the story is writing, comparing our top salesperson to our bottom salesperson in terms of pipeline created. And I can start to read a little bit about that because Connor's doing great, but Cassie's not. And right. if I scroll down here and read a little bit, I can see that Connor's doing well because he's prospecting, which means he's writing his own sales cold emails to right. reach out to people. Well, Cassie is relying on web leads. So people that come to the website and fill out a form, 
which is much more of a passive way to conduct a sales book of business. So now I know as a CEO, I need to tell my head of sales or perhaps Cassie herself that she needs to be doing more prospecting to get her pipeline to be wow. as healthy as common. So with that, there's a number of different things I can do. I can either bookmark this story, which will add it mm -hmm. to my library. So the next time I talk to our head of sales um, to see what she has to say, or I talk to Cassie, the story is there and available. Exactly. I can send it to Cassie or to the head of sales. This will kick out an email with the story in it with comments mm -hmm. I have about this, or as a sneak peek for everyone viewing, uh, in the next few weeks, we will be rolling out in-story commenting as well. So I can mm -hmm. add a comment and tag Cassie and ask her about what's going on within her prospecting activity. So then she will be pulled back into the system and be able to answer there as well. And the goal here is really not only to provide context that lives in the data, but perhaps context that doesn't. So we so believe in people and data coming together. Sometimes the answers aren't in the data as much as I hate to say that, and you need an answer from somebody, whether it's an analyst or the person actually responsible for things like prospecting. And now our analyst can pop in or Cassie herself or a CEO can pop in and add additional context ask each other for additional context, and that'll be all live in the story as well. Fantastic. And, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I can't see you, so it's hard for me to know the timing. Mm -hmm. No, I was just saying I, uh, there are a few comments, obviously, about the uh, Lexio already, which is Lexio's very versatile tool, and uh, it's, it, it does have uh, powerful metrics in a user-friendly way, so I totally agree. Yeah. After you, uh, Anna, we have a few questions. I'll pick it up uh, once you're done with the whole overview. Oh, sure. I just have, yeah, two more things that I'll say. So basically, this can go on forever. I can keep reading more. I can keep <laughs> changing these filters, which is amazing. But just as a reminder, we're looking at pipeline. But if you go back to the newsfeed here, you can see that as CEO, I'll explain this pop up in a second. But as CEO, mm -hmm. there's so many things I care about, whether it's, I wanna look at our web traffic, our talent data. I wanna see how our sales team is sending emails. All of that can live here and all can be shown in this data storytelling experience. So it's not just pipeline, it's not just yeah. confidence. It's really across the company that this experience can be used. So it's important to know there. And yeah. then last, before I answer some questions, you can see here at the very top, this actually says lexiodemo.narrativescience.com. I know a lot of your viewers are people that love to dig into new tools. So exactly. this, yeah, this is actually a publicly available interactive public demo product tour. So if anyone watching wants to play around with Lexio themselves, they can do this from this URL. They can do it themselves, click in and see some of the examples of the things we've built in ways to apply data storytelling in a company. In our library here, you'll see tons of different examples, demo data sets. We've actually uploaded some real data sets if that's something you're interested in as well. Wow. Um, so we have things like COVID vaccination data. We used to have COVID cases in here. We are based in Chicago, so we have Chicago crime, kind of a scary, depressing story for a Chicago resident like me. But you'll yeah. be able to see things like demo Salesforce data or real crime data all put into this data storytelling experience and you can log in here and, and see it yourself. So if anyone is interested in doing that, feel free to pop to that 
you can see this is why this pop-up comes up. You can watch a video and explore on your own. Fantastic. Okay, quick time for the questions. And uh, there are a few questions. Uh, one is from Matt Bratton. How customizable are the core metrics? Like, can you choose when it says uh, XYZ variances? I'm going to stop sharing my screen just so I can I can see yeah. you. Okay. Yeah, so so a lot of those, it, like in general, it, it's Lexio making the decisions about what it's saying. It's it's That's part of the idea is it's an AI that knows a lot. And so it's doing what it's, um, it's discovering what's best and putting together those stories, like Anna said. Yeah. There are places, so it has a lot of the control there. There are definitely places in the system where we expose um, like different thresholds that can be tweaked or different sort of admin experiences that help yeah. you um, sort of hone Lexio in and get it focused on the right things for you. There's a there's a whole configuration experience that Anna didn't show that sort of the analysts do before to make those stories available where you you set up those topics, those things Anna showed on the left. Um, you can specify thresholds for like what counts as, a, as an interesting change for a particular measure, that kind of stuff. So there, there's, there is a um, configuration that we didn't show that typically happens by the analysts so that for business users, they come in, everything is set up, everything is being generated for them by Lexio. And they can really just start, you know, start having alerts push to them, start doing their own exploration, that kind of stuff. Okay, that's fantastic. And uh, another question from Mike Nash. Obviously, since you're mentioning about uh, the backend things that happen, obviously in the initial stage, can Lexio pull metrics from other platforms? That is Google Analytics, QuickBooks, etc. As of now. Yes. Yeah, we sure can. We have we have connectors wow. set up for some that are um, work especially easily. Salesforce, um, I think Marketo. We've got some um, sort of already baked configuration that makes those give us your username and password, and you'll have Salesforce stories showing up in Lexio ten minutes later. But in general, we can um, work with any type of you know column oriented database. So we have we have drop zones. You can push things to us. We can pull from your database with Stitch. Um, we're working on other things there with Snowflake and other integration points. But in general, if you have if you have well structured data in a SQL table somewhere, then we can um, that can get into Lexio no problem. Amazing! It does make sense to Matt, and he says thank you. And uh, obviously, uh, Trimica uh, will explore. A, it looks like a very super cool tool. So thanks for that uh, overview. It, that was really helpful, uh, Anna. And now I know why we were saying that Lexio is the best tool <laughs> because it, it it really does uh, make things very easy for someone who wants to uh, tell a story. It it puts in the words. It is very much comparable where you want to look at the pipelines, where you look want to look at the sales. It is something which makes your work easy rather than switching on to Google Sheets and just understanding and putting those maps yourself. Uh, this tool does everything for you, so which is uh, amazing. So okay, uh, go, moving back to obviously data storytelling. Nate, I had a question for you. Um, where do you actually see uh, data storytelling moving in the next three to five years? Yeah, so so I think um, I mean like like you said, everybody's your audience is already interested in data storytelling and excited about it, and I think that's just going to continue to accelerate. I think Gartner said within five years, most analytics will be communicated via data stories, and we totally agree with that. We think. A lot of that would be uh, data stories written by Lexio. A lot of it won't be um, other products or people hand creating stories. Absolutely. So I think in general, there's we're just sort of in the we're in the downward cycle of dashboards, frankly. And I think that'll be we'll see less and less of those, and those will be sort of more old fashioned um, as as the data storytelling um, technology comes along and the sort of the training of people side. 
so it's going to be more of that. And, and I, one of the things we're really excited about narrative science is seeing that leave the, the BI space and become really across all of our lives. We've all got bank statements or retirement accounts that are really confusing and hospital bills exactly. and doctor recommendations and picking a school for your kids. There's all these places where there's a ton of data and that's that's step one. And then no one has sort of done the rest of the steps to make it uh, to make it possible to really for for normal people to understand and act on that data. Yeah. Like where I find it hard to dig through a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I work at a, at a BI company and I have a PhD and all this stuff. And it's like you think about there's a lot of busy people out there, you know, single parents with two jobs, and they're also trying to pick the best schools for their kids. And it's, it's crazy that the hoops we're so expecting cool. them to jump through. And so the more the more we can really help um, use data storytelling and automated data storytelling to to empower people is really that's the mode we're excited about. And I think that's the that's where we're going to see a lot of that progress. And it, it ties back into letting your people be people like we want. We want people to be able to use their intuition and their judgment and to really be themselves and have right. the computer working hard to help them understand, right? We shouldn't be begging Excel or begging Tableau to tell us what we need <laughs> to know. Yeah. AI is really exciting and there's a bunch of progress being made there and it's time for it to work harder for us. And so that's that's the mode I, that we're in and neuroscience that I'm really excited about for the future. Yeah, exactly. Before I pick actually uh, Mike's question here in the chat, I would just remind the audience that we are giving away uh, two annual courses for 365 Data Science. So do not forget to uh, mention hashtag uh, 365 Data Science in the chat and we'll announce the winners uh, on air. But uh, here's my quest, Mike's question for you, uh, Nate. Uh, do you think AI will be a big part of the future of data storytelling? This is, a, this is a softball, Mike. <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely do it. I, I think it's, for me, it's so, it, they're so valuable and they're just so, um, you know, I, I saw there was a, a report um, yesterday, earlier this week, that's like 92% of um, business leaders agree that data storytelling is an effective way wow. to communicate data. It's like, they're, they're huge numbers and a lot of the dashboard numbers are in the 30s, you know, and so they're so much more powerful, but so we got to have them. But one of the reasons they're so much more powerful is that so much work goes into creating them. If you're doing them manually, exactly. you have to you have to spend a lot of time in the data. You have to track people down and try to get that context. You have to really know your audience and piece that together. And so it's a super valuable thing that is also super high effort to create. And so that that's what's limited its adoption to, to date, in my opinion. And so now that we're AI sort of getting to a place and technology is getting to a place where we can have that super valuable thing but created in a really low effort way because the computer is doing the bulk of the work. Um, I think that's, that's gonna, that's peanut butter and chocolate, right? I think that those, that combination <laughs> is really powerful. And so I think, yeah, absolutely. AI will play a, play a big part of that. Okay. That's super cool. And uh, yes, it def definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, so thanks for that, Nate. Um, okay. Well, uh, quick time for uh, announcing the winners uh, today. We have uh, almost uh, 11 entries, which is super cool. So uh, guys, here we go. The first draw and the winner would be, let's see who it is. All right. Devishmita, congratulations. And we'll pick the last winner, obviously from the people who have entered hashtag 365 data science. Abdul, awesome. Thanks everyone for joining in. And uh, yes, uh, 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 
congratulations to the winner so uh, before we moving on and uh, uh, wrapping this up i have one last question from christine that uh, um, there are always human elements to data analysis and data and storytelling it is important to emphasize emphasize how the data can assist people people need to understand the direct stories do you agree anna it you want to go in i think that's probably more you <laughs> okay uh, yeah yes I, I i i agree like in my people are the ones that make the decisions right like if the role we see for ai is helping people make decisions and making people yeah. better and helping them be themselves and so we have no desire to have a Lexio write stories that some other computer reads and then hires or fires people off of, right? That's that's crazy. That's what we're really there to to serve people, and then that's wow. what Lexio is there for. And like the the image or the model metaphor I like is Iron Man, where we're Iron Man is like Tony Stark's inside that suit. He's absolutely in control. Exactly. He makes the decisions. It's it's his judgment and experience and intuition and all that good stuff. But the suit makes him more powerful, right? He's able to be more um, fully himself because he's got lasers and rockets and thrusters and everything else. And so that's that's really the model we're in. We want Lexio to be that um, be that Iron Man suit to help wow. you be more powerful, to be more informed. But you're you're always in control. I think that is uh, that answers uh, very well for to wrap this up because uh, it is something. Obviously, it is human. Uh, who makes the decision in the end, but uh, it makes you more powerful. And Iron Man is something I'll never forget, Nate. This example is so cool. <laughs> and uh, Christine does say cool image. So uh, it does make sense. Okay, my last question to uh, both of you, Anna, Nate. Uh, this was fantastic. Just to let you know, this was super insightful. We learned a lot around data storytelling, and I can't wait for the version 2.0. Uh, if we can uh, decide and uh, talk around more about data storytelling, and there were many questions that we have uh, we couldn't take, but uh, uh, just for people if they want to reach out to you, which is the best place, Anna? Sure. So uh, for me personally, absolutely LinkedIn is the best. Uh, my name is yeah. You can find me under Anna Sheena Walsh on LinkedIn, but also through our website, so narrativescience.com, or through our demo site. Uh, I'll be one of the people to answer you. So definitely that's a good place to reach us as well. Nate, you? Yeah, link, LinkedIn is the main one for me. I, I can't remember if I'm Nate or Nathan Nichols, but if you go to Narrative Science and it's it's the one that looks like me on LinkedIn, um, and you can also <laughs> e email me directly. It's nnichols at Narrative Science. Um, I'm happy, however you want to get in touch with me, I'd love to talk more. Awesome. It was fantastic having you both, Nate, Anna. Thanks for sharing your experiences. And Lexio is definitely a great tool. So I'll be trying it myself. Uh, I'll be going out and trying the demo version. So thank you very much. Great. And uh, see you soon. Have a great evening. Thank you so awesome. much for having us. OK. Yeah. Thanks for having it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone.